Today on CityCast Chicago, the comedy is maybe one of Chicago's defining features. I can't tell you how many friends have invited me to see their stand-up set. They improv troupe perform at 1.30 in the morning in somebody's basement. And yet, even in 2021, the scene is dominated by white men playing for white audiences. But local performers are working hard to change that. Finally being able to get into a room where I wasn't just the only black person, I was with a group of women and we were performing, opened up my eyes to be like, oh my gosh, this is why people fall in love with improv because they can truly have fun and be anything. Finally getting a taste of that, I was like, there needs to be more of this for everybody. A new podcast looks at how Chicago comedians navigate a sometimes toxic comedy scene. Today is Thursday, June 3rd. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. First, a little bit of news, y'all. Mayor Lightfoot is not a fan of the compromise on the elected school board bill the state Senate passed this week. As a reminder, the bill would create a partly elected, partly appointed board through 2027 when it would become fully elected. Lightfoot is still angling to maintain mayoral power. And she says this proposal could hurt the search for a new CPS chief. At this point, the bill is up in the air until the House reconvenes to consider it. Today is a big day for the family of Muddy Waters. A city commission is deciding today whether or not to give preliminary landmark status to the blues icon's North Kenwood home. The great-granddaughter of the legendary guitarist is leading a charge to turn the home into a museum, studio, and community garden. And the daily lineup for Lollapalooza is out. The headliners are Miley Cyrus, Tyler the Creator, Post Malone, and the Foo Fighters. Some good news. I was driving past the Congress Theater yesterday and noticed some new murals on the outside of the building. They are part of Project Congress a rotating public mural aimed at helping to save the historic theater, which is slated to be redeveloped. And neighborhood graffiti artists want to keep the art form alive in the quickly gentrifying Logan Square. There's a mural for Javi Baez, there's some cool hearts and skulls, and then there's this one blue one where there's like fire coming out of the individual's heads. Go by, check it out for yourself. And remember, for more Chicago stories, sign up for our daily newsletter, where today's CityCast Sydney Madden tells you about the effort to rename Boys Town to make it more inclusive and the change to Alder Person to describe our city council members. Sign up at chicago.citycast.fm. For anyone hoping to make it in the comedy world, they come to Chicago. It's the birthplace of modern improv, and some of the biggest names made their way through the second city. It's more than a moniker, it's an institution. I'm talking the Belushi brothers, Tina Fey, Stephen Colbert, Tim Meadows, Gilda Radner. Seriously, I can keep going. For real, Sam Richardson, Tony Newsom, Chris Farley, Steve Carell, Adam McKay, and a bunch of other people you've seen but probably don't know their names. Last year, a series of viral social media posts accused Second City and other Chicago clubs like I.O. of racism. 
sexism, transphobia, and tokenizing the few performers of color they do have. Uh, that led to some changes. Second City's longtime head apologized and resigned, and they laid out specific ways they'd be more inclusive. IO's founder apologized in a letter and said she took responsibility for not creating a safe environment. The theater actually permanently closed its doors during the pandemic. But let's be real. This was not a shock to any of us paying attention, especially for the performers, the comedians, the writers. Comedy Has an Ouchie is a podcast where Chicago comedians are creating space and sharing stories of being forced to navigate these environments, play into harmful racial stereotypes, and deal with the toxicity of it all. He started a scene by putting on an Asian accent and saying um, Kong Pao chicken, beef, and broccoli. That's all he said. And, and I looked at the teacher and I was like, I'm not, the teacher didn't do anything. And I was like, I'm not doing the scene. You know, I was wondering, why don't you, points at me, he's like, why don't you play like terrorists or call center employees or, or doctors more on stage? And you, to the black performer, like drug moms or gang leaders or stuff like that. Cause that, and he said, quote, as a white audience member, I would find that very entertaining. No. Cis black man on stage in, in, a, in a white space and, and white women are acting a fool. You know, you just, you, you get to the point where you kind of let them do, like let them do whatever so that they can leave you alone so that nobody like screams or cries and then gets you shot four times in the chest. Comedy Has an Ouchie is hosted by Steve Hahn, Felicia McLeod, and Ashley Whitehurst. Can you take a step back with me a little bit for people who don't know? What does the comedy scene in Chicago look like? Because growing up, I'll be real with you. We don't have a lot of improv theaters in Gresham. And Chatham is not a lot of comedy clubs and not a lot of theater troops over in Inglewood. So what does the comedy scene in Chicago look like? Ashley? It's uh, made for... Uh, very specific people, very specific type of person, uh, which has um, over the past decades been affluent white people. The art that we make there is for that same crowd. And then anybody who doesn't look like those people have trouble at these these institutions, not by any fault of their own. Steve, why was now the right time to start this podcast? I think the conversation prior to this podcast starting within comedy, kind of like a reckoning, I guess, kind of started in last June, around the same time that uh, Black Lives Matter was really, you know, picking up across the states. And, you know, there was a lot more conversation to be had about what marginalized people were feeling. The comedy is just, and Chicago comedy specifically, is just a microcosm of Chicago and then like the, the U.S. in large, right? Like Chicago has a huge segregation issue. I mean, if you look at like the most like influential theaters in Chicago, for example, you know, like Second City, formerly IO, Steppenwolf, they all exist on like the same street. They're all like in a really affluent white part of Chicago, right? So this issue is not unique just to comedy. What I appreciate about the episodes that I was listening to is not only are you all providing this background, are you talking with other members of your community, but you all do a very good job of making this very personal, very real. You know, what are some of the experiences? And of course, I don't want you to, you know, go through anything that, you know, you're still healing from, you're still processing. But what are some of the experiences that made it so very obvious to you that like, man, this community is not welcoming to me, Felicia? Wow. Okay. Well, let me just unveil my trauma. 
no, no, no. I think it's like um, you are immersed in these classes being the only person of color. I'm being the only black person in this class. So then when they start opening up and having more black people there, then it's like, oh, but there can only be one instead of like, no, there should be opportunities for all of us. Finally being able to get into a room where I wasn't just the only black person. I was with a group of women and we were performing and I could be a butterfly. I wasn't being a black butterfly. Opened up my eyes to be like, oh my gosh, this is why people fall in love with improv because they can truly have fun and be anything. So like finally getting a taste of that, I was like, there needs to be more of this for everybody. No, I hear you. When I first got back to Chicago five or six years ago from school, even though I grew up here, when I got back, I was looking for some performance outlets and I didn't know where I could fit in. You know, I didn't necessarily do theater. I had never really done improv or comedy. And I found myself in storytelling. And it was it was a few shows of where majority of the audience was white North Siders, where I was wondering to myself, man, does my story fit here does the experiences that i've been through that are very particular have a very unique language are they welcomed here and it wasn't until i saw a woman of color from the west side by the name of lily b telling her story that i was like there is room for me in this community i might have to work a little bit harder and go out of my way to make space for people who look like me but maybe there's an opportunity what are some of the stories that you all have heard from some of your guests it is just so interesting because we talk to people of color online, offline, and uh, women online, offline, trans people online, offline. It's always the same where it's like, you know, the the experiences that these institutions give you make you feel like you lose agency as like a person or as an individual. And you feel like, um, I don't know if you, is used with, that, with the two of you. I would say used. Right word? <laughs> yeah, used. Exploited. We just feel like it's the price that we have to pay. If it, it, to me, for a long time, I internalized it as this is my tax. As like, this uh-huh. is my like queer person of color tax that I have to suffer. You know, I mean, that's another phrase that we're always told, like work three times as hard to get a third of the recognition or whatever fraction yep. you want to put in. We've we've normalized being, like you said, used, being manipulated, being exploited exactly. as a part of the come up, as a part of the the process, me paying my dues. And it's it's so long into those traumatizing experiences where we say, I feel like I was set up for failure because most of what I've been taught is that I have to accept these conditions. Uh, Felicia, between the types of work that you all are doing to have these conversations and the the small incremental changes that are happening in these institutions, are things getting better? Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's such a hard question. I think we're so hopeful for things to get better. We're like hoping people are being held accountable Right now, since things aren't fully open, I don't I don't know if they are truly getting better, but I do have hope that like we are having these conversations and we are going to start holding each other accountable that things will get better. But right now, um, I feel like since we're we're not in it, we don't know if they are. But what I what I'm happy about is that people are standing in their own so like if these institutions are not getting better we will be standing up for ourselves and saying we deserve more you said it on your podcast that particularly with improv with the chicago comedy scene 
it sometimes feels like you're so close to success, like you're one person, one degree of separation away from some of your dreams being accomplished. You know, Steve, as you're moving forward in your career, how are you creating space for you to say, I'm not going to deal with that? I'm not going to put up with that, even if that's at the detriment of your own path. I mean, honestly, like I, I've always been kind of the person that like um, shit stir is not the right word, but like I'm pretty I'm I'm pretty vocal about like in my recent years, rather about what I do like or don't like. I've been pretty vocal about like my time working at Second City or just being like whatever. So I, I will say a lot of times I feel like we live in a bubble um the comedy bubble where like people are having these conversations i feel like all the time because we're having these conversations all the time but i realized by and large the majority of people are not having these conversations and a lot of you know your 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 chads and your your uh Bronners and your trixies i don't know uh, skeet, yeah skeeter skeeters and sco- scooter skeeter and scooters you know they're 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 white twins i don't know so you know but like you look at these the, are these guys having these conversations no and are they the ones that should be having these conversations yeah what do you say to the person standing in front of you who says comedy is getting soft comedy is getting over scrutinized what would you say to the person who says comedy isn't the same or what it used to be felicia i would say what is it so precious about comedy that you used to love, what is, what do you think is being taken from you? And I want them to tell me in detail what they feel like they can't say anymore. And then I want to ask them, why do you want to say that? And why do you think that's the funniest thing to say? Like, we're not trying to cancel anyone. I think cancel culture isn't real. I want you to try and just be better and make me laugh in a genuine way. Like you are using low hanging fruit and like honestly like bullshit comedy like i'm trying to challenge you to be better felicia mcleod steve hahn and ashley whitehurst the podcast host of comedy has an ouchie thank you all for joining me on citycast chicago today it was a fantastic time thank you so much thank you for having us thank you so much for having us yeah before i let you go have y'all heard about this vaccine lottery no It's not a lottery to get the vaccine. It's if you get the vaccine, you could win some money or something. There's maybe up to $7 million in prizes. We don't have all the details yet. Apparently hot dogs, gift cards, and Six Flags tickets wasn't enough. That's our show for Thursday, June 3rd. As always, I appreciate you for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace.